2: Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives. As we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness.
3: When you do that,
2: before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we appreciate you doing so by giving us a call at 563-999-3581. When you call that number and press 1, it will put the icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. And we can have a conversation. If you're listening through the archives and you would like to get a comment or a question or some feedback or an observation to us, you may email. You may email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. You can email Jeannie at j-e-a-n-i-e at yagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot o-r-g. And if we get any kind of a missive from you, we'll address it on the Internet show and then send you a notice as time allows about when, what day, and time it was addressed on the Internet show so you can listen back to the archives for your feedback. And we greatly appreciate whenever anybody does that because it just makes it a heck of a lot easier to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service and that's just a lot easier to do when we know how things are landing for you and what's working and what isn't and it's always you know it takes everybody's understanding and work to the next level when they when we engage in processing questions there's no such thing as a silly question and we all benefit doesn't matter how many years anybody has been doing a particular body of work. The more they work with it, <laughs> the better they get. I forget which uh, world-renowned violin player. Uh, somebody found out that he still practices X number of hours a day. And they asked him, why do you still practice? And he said, because I think I'm getting better.
3: <laughs>
2: so so when we ask questions, it's like practicing. It's like testing us to explain. I, I love the comment from either Einstein or Edison who said, if you can't explain something so it can be understood by a five-year-old, you don't understand it. And so the more we get questions, even if you think it's basic or simple or it's going to be silly, please disabuse yourself of that notion and call 563-999-3581 and let us know what your question is. Yesterday we were reading from the book Choose Again by Diedrich Wolczak, and it just so happened There was no planning involved, I assure you. But it just so happened that his six-step process was all contained in yesterday's show. I recently had somebody complain to me that you, you can't go on his website anymore and just instantly download a PDF of the six steps. It's somehow hidden or buried or... You have to sign up, or they only give it out at their retreats now, but it used to be right there on the on the web page and um I don't know about that. I just know that somebody was complaining about it the other day and uh and just in 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 point of fact, yesterday they were all listed in the uh one hour internet show as I was reading it from his book. And I encourage people to go get the book yourself and or go check out his website and or his retreat opportunities. He's got a retreat. He does work out of um, Vancouver, British Columbia, but he also does work out of um, Costa Rica where he has a retreat center up in the mountains. So I'm, I'm hopeful that something about hearing the six-step forgiveness process from Diedrich Wolzak has sparked some thoughts or comments from somebody about similarities or differences between that and the reality management worksheet from Dr. Michael Rice, and or um, significant questions about how to use that process and what it would lead to if I kept using it. Call-in number is 563-999-3581. The other topic I wanted to talk about today before getting back to reading is the topic of boundaries and the difference between somebody saying well, I'm just setting a boundary and somebody who's trying to manipulate or pressure somebody else to change. And this can be a very tricky set of conversations to have, primarily because our language is so varied. And what one person means when he or she says, I'm setting a boundary or you know, this is unacceptable to me, might be very different than what another person says or means when they say the same words. I remember the story from one of the books that I enjoyed quite a bit, I forget the book right now, but talking about two people who get married, and um, they're newlyweds, and they're settled in after the honeymoon, and... And one of them says, hey, would you like to go play tennis this afternoon? And the other one says, sure. And eight hours later, they're ready for divorce court. Now, how could that happen? Young, healthy, vibrant people, newly married, clearly in love. Well, if indeed in the one person's family of origin, when somebody said, would you like to play tennis?, it means you put on, you know, a thousand dollars worth of special clothes, and you pick up, you know, five hundred or a thousand dollars worth of gear, rackets, and balls, and you know, sweatpants, et cetera, and you go to the club where there is a an umpire who's judging every shot, and we're counting every point, and there's you know, a high level of competition and uh, status to every aspect of the game. And the other person who said, yes, I'd love to go play tennis is coming from a family where what that means is you grab an old beat up racket, probably third or fourth hand, and you go out to the schoolyard and you knock a ball back and forth while you joke and talk and laugh and you know maybe count how long a volley you can get going back and forth between each other zero competition et cetera. and when those two people think they have agreed to go do the same thing and they clearly haven't if they don't have a well established process for discussing or resolving differences there's not going to be a much much joy in mudville that that evening after we said, hey, let's go play tennis. And it's just a way to start looking at what happens for all of us when we have disagreements and we get agitated or animated about them. Um, so I was uh, talking to somebody earlier today about boundaries and and how it's a good thing to make a clear statement about if you have this behavior or this pattern in a relationship is a deal-breaker for you. And the person said, but isn't that telling them they have to change and being manipulative? So it opened up the conversation because that's a really, really good set of points to clarify, I love the way Guy Finley talks about it when he says, if you are clearly communicating with somebody and you say to them, I don't want to be around somebody who swears excessively, or I don't want to be around somebody who uses uh, off-color jokes in mixed company, or I don't want to be around somebody who's constantly drunk and, and you know abusive in their tone. If you've clearly communicated that, to someone and they refuse to stop the behavior you've asked them to stop or do the behavior you've asked them to do, then, and this is very, very specifically worded, then Guy Finley says, then you are not responsible for whatever they put themselves through when you leave. Which means he's got the recognition that I don't create an emotional response in anybody and they don't create my emotional response. That the life we experience is all created as an inside job. And this took several repetitions in this uh, session I was having earlier to try and help clarify the difference between telling somebody you know if you want to be in a relationship with me you need to change x y and z or saying to somebody this is what you're doing that i find unacceptable and if it continues i'm just not going to hang around you that much now on the one hand I know a lot of people who would look at those things and say, well, that's, if you're just saying the same thing. And it's just you're just playing with words so that you can manipulate people and tell them that they have to change in order to be around you. And I have a whole different view of that. I have the view that says nobody has to stick around me and I don't have to stick around anybody if they find me offensive or abusive or vice versa. And um, I'm trying to remember the name of the, uh, the therapist that had the Netflix special from Jonah Hill. Uh, that Jonah Hill created it was his therapist. And um, then a few months ago, or a couple months ago maybe, Jonah Hill was in the news because uh, his girlfriend leaked some messages that he was sending her, and she said, This is manipulation, and this is controlling behavior, and he's just calling it boundaries. And that was a really good set of, you know, stimulus for stimuli for um, having conversations around the difference between trying to manipulate somebody to change and letting somebody know that what you find acceptable and not acceptable, and it is it's a hotbed for a lot of people uh, you know some people think you once you get in a relationship, you should never leave, and some people think that you know as soon as there's any problem, you should run for the hills, and those are basically opposite ends of the spectrum and I tend to fall somewhere closer to the middle and um, and I think that it's important to be able to say to somebody or at least to say to yourself and act for yourself in a way that you find most beneficial for you, even if somebody else wants you to do or be different and Every time I do that, we've talked about this before on the Internet show, every time I do that and I say I'm going to set a boundary, one of the primary things I need to do, either as I'm doing it or before I make a statement about what my boundaries are, I need to understand that I can hold any boundary that I I want. I can say that this is acceptable and that's not. And whenever I do that, Whoever else I'm dealing with, they have the absolute right to say the same thing in reverse. And they have the absolute right to say, okay, if you're going to be that way, I don't want to be around you. And if I'm not willing to accept that whatever I choose to do is going to have consequences, then I probably shouldn't say it in the first place. Because... Everything we say and do in this energetic universe sends out ripples and creates effects, creates consequences. So buckle up. Think about it clearly. Make sure if you can, to whatever degree you can, that your actions match your words, and then feel free to communicate to the people around you whatever it is that you think is acceptable and not acceptable. That, by the way, is my definition for boundaries my boundaries, the definition is everything that I say and do that effectively communicates to people what I think is acceptable and not acceptable. Oh, and by the way, everything that I say and do is actively communicating to people what I think is acceptable and not acceptable. So... Hot topic, sometimes difficult to parse out the difference between telling somebody they have to change and, and just saying to somebody, look, um, bless your heart, this is who you've chosen to be, this is what you choose to do, and I choose not to be part of it. One of those differences for me, and to help me, help me decide... Am I being clear about this? Am I being uh, biased or or um, you know subjective in a way that's that's leaning toward manipulation? is if I have something at stake in the situation? What does that mean? Well, if I'm really invested in the outcome one way or another, then I'm not neutral. I'm not being objective. If, on the other hand, I'm completely willing to deal with whatever the consequences are and I'm completely willing to accept whatever the other person chooses to do, and then make my choice to stay around them or or leave or distance myself from them, and I'm not trying to pressure them to change, that's a whole different situation, in my opinion. So, with some hope that that's making sense, I'll... What do they say? I'll open the phone lines, 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. How is this landing for you? Does this make sense? Have you heard this before and it's brought up questions? If somebody is... Highly invested in the outcome chances are pretty good they're not going to be able to be objective they 're not going to be able to be clear they're going to they're going to have a distorted view of the whole situation and they're going to be um, probably trying to convince you or other people in that interaction that that they're clean and clear when they're not, I just flashed on the situation that happened when I was younger, but we'll get to that in a minute. Area code three one four. You're in the air.
4: Hello, Doctor Tim. Um, this is Doug. And Hello, I, Doug. I find, yeah, I find I find your conversation, um, you're offering, uh, relevant <laughs> for myself and and i was I was just thinking at the very end there isn't it often true or possible that there may be both there may be on a, a may be some attachment and some clarity that this is what works for me in a situation like that um, like. Therefore, because there's attachment, you know, kind of a desire that the other person might change when you tell them that these are your boundaries or these are the things you need. And at the same time, clarity of communication that this is what you are needing and that you're going to change the way you interact if you don't get that. There's just a whole lot here for me, I don't know, in a lot of ways. And, and I think it's not that everybody on the show knows, but we talked before about something kind of related to this, and it's just another layer of that for me because I'm, I'm trying to...
2: Well, so one of your questions be, was, or or the opening question was, isn't it possible that there's both an attachment to the outcome and being objective or impartial and i don't think that's i think if there's attachment to the outcome then it's very difficult not to try to not to be manipulative in whatever you're saying or doing
4: i think both are going to be there i mean i mean i, I mean i agree if you're highly attached to the outcome you're going to have a propensity to be manipulative but but at the same time, isn't there a space in there to be trying to be objective, trying to also at the same time say, well, this is how I feel, and, I mean, can't both those things coexist inside somebody to some degree? Trying to be objective and just tell it how it is, and also at the same time recognizing that, you know, they do have some manipulative propensity because of their attachment. Our hope for the other person to change, maybe not even—I don't know. I well, here's the I'm deal: that, that
2: the, the 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 point I'm trying to make is that if I tell somebody that with the hope that they will change, I'm being manipulative, and that's not okay. good boundaries.
3: Hmm.
2: And it just from you know from my perspective, it's the way I think about boundaries. Sure. Like if I tell somebody X, Y, and Z. You know, the the thing about um, if I say to somebody, I don't want to be around people that tell racist jokes. So, you know, just want you to know, if you keep this up, I won't be hanging around much. Well, I'm not really invested in whether or not they quit telling racist jokes. I'm just letting them know that whatever else we have in the relationship is at risk if they don't. Because I'm not going to argue with them. I'm not going to stick around and debate whether or not this joke was racist or not. I'm just going to let them know this is what I'm looking for in, a, in an interaction, in a relationship, et cetera. And it's perfectly okay if you want to be racist. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life or what views to have.
4: i don't know how how important this is, but I guess it's important for me at some level to 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 keep sort of diving into it because i I can see that, but then I would offer what if what if that has been a well established relationship that that individual who's who's making those statements is cares about and would rather continue um and yet they this other individual has started telling this kind of joke, and so they're they they're saying. <laughs> so, so, they're willing so look to at it this
2: way. or have it so, so 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 look at it this way you said here's a well-established relationship right so here's the yeah. other side of the coin i need to be clear about the fact that i'm not blaming my upset on the other person so in a well-established relationship If somebody starts doing something and I generate a negative interpretation about it and therefore resonate old upset or start new upset in me, that's for me to deal with. I don't have to deal with it, but I'm the only one that can. And there's no amount of this other person changing their behavior that's going to guarantee that I will stay in the relationship long term if I'm blaming them for my upset and I'm willing to leave because of that. That's a whole different level of thing. There's a well-established relationship where something comes up. And that's where all of these tools, the Reality Management Worksheet or Diedrich Wolzak's Choose Again process, right the targeted journaling that Michael calls a mind shifter, the breath where all of that comes into play so that if I generate upset in response to somebody that I, I'm in this long-term committed relationship with and they start doing something they haven't done before, the first line is me working to dismantle whatever upset I'm generating in response to my interpretation of their behavior. If, however, I can't manage to do that, and whatever this behavior is or the way I interpret it falls into the category of deal-breaker for me, that's what we're talking about here. Then, if I'm at a deal-break point in the relationship, it's far better for me to say, look, you're free to live your life, have your opinions, tell your jokes or whatever way you want, etc. I'm not trying to change you. I'm just trying to let you know I'm not going to hang around if this keeps up. Right? This isn't what I consider acceptable. And then... I act on it, right? I don't I don't start getting into debates with them about whether or not they changed enough or this or that. I just say, look. And when I do it that way, now I'm not hanging in on this investment, trying to get my investment to pay off. And that's one of the things I was talking about. You know, if I'm... If I'm heavily invested in this, I'm not going to be able to be anything like objective.
3: Okay. Um, I,
4: now, I I guess that's going to clash with all,
2: all kinds of stuff. Go ahead. I
4: guess, guess in what? my mind, I still, I still see. You know, I see that in a real, practical, actual human being, that both of those dynamics could be somewhat, somewhat, somewhat going on at the same time. You know, that they could be being clear and as, as saying what what their boundaries are, and at the same time wishing or maybe having a propensity to wish or desire the other person change, and 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 even having some some old content that's driving their mind such that they actually want to try and manipulate them so that they don't feel that they have to do the thing that they'd really rather not do, but can't tolerate the situation as it is, so that a little bit of both might be going on. I don't know. I don't know why that's so important to me, but I'm really trying to sort out if you, if you want to interrupt me at any time and clarify something you can but i'm just
2: well so one to... one of the things that that often comes up in a discussion like this is well what about just accepting people as they are that's the whole point i either accept people as they are or i don't and if i don't accept them the way they are and i start to to i want to um stay in a relationship with them that's when i'm going to be moving into that manipulation and bullying and threatening but if i find that i can't accept them as they are and or i can't dismantle the upset that i generate in response to my interpretation of whatever they're doing and i make the statement to them that this is what's happening for me then they make a choice, and I make a choice, which is, by the way, what we're all doing all the time in our lives. Right? There's nothing new about this. And somebody brought up earlier today, well, what about you know, you're in this relationship and somebody, all of a sudden, they start you know doing this or they start doing that. I said, well, the first thing is, if, it, if you generate upset in response to that, that's your work to dismantle. You like 80% of this person and 80% of what they do, and you like 80% of your actions in the world when you're with them. And there's this 20% that you don't really like. But if it's not a deal-breaker, you just accept it. Right? And if upset comes up in you, you use the tools to dismantle that. And if something comes up that's in the deal-breaker category... For you, for whatever reason, of course, the first thing to do is question, is it really a deal breaker? Am I willing to risk the, this entire relationship and all the benefits I have from from it because of this issue? And if it is, that's when I'm talking about making this kind of a statement that's not designed to get the other person to do what I want them to do. That's verbiage out of the uh, power struggle model that i teach people is that i'm not telling somebody that i'm going to do x y or z trying to manipulate them or force them to change i'm just telling them what's acceptable and not acceptable to me and how i will use the things i have control over to effectively communicate that with my words and my actions Okay. So if I get in a situation, I'm in a relationship with somebody, I mean, it's almost impossible in any long-term relationship that I like every single little thing that my partner does. We're not talking about that. We're talking about how if I enjoy... 75 or 80 or 85 or 90 percent of my relationship with the person and there are these other things that i don't so much like i either learn to stay quiet about it and do my own work on it or i take one of the above approaches one of them is control and manipulation and try and get the other person to change And the other one is, I just say, okay, it's a deal-breaker category for me, so I'm just going to bless you on your way and move on with my life.
4: Okay, I think that's helpful. Thank you. But if I'm there
2: in the relationship with the person, and I say, boy, I really don't like it when you do this or that, and they say, oh... Okay, but that's just who I am. That's what I like to do and I don't see anything wrong with it. What are my options in that situation? What would you consider your options to be in that situation?
4: Uh, Which person? The person who's who's saying they can't change. You're the they, person, you're the person
2: who has said to somebody, I, I'm in this relationship with you, and you've started doing this, and I really don't like this. And the person says back to you, oh, okay, but that's just who I am, and I really like it, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Now, what are your options?
4: Well, you can accept that. You can say, well, I, I don't like that. It doesn't serve me, and I I don't like it, And but I'll accept it. I'll live with it, in which case you're kind of tolerating something you don't like, or you could go to a a higher level of loving them and embracing and saying, well, I mean, the next level of just saying, well, I guess that I need to embrace then that that's, if if, if I'm going to stay, I need to embrace that that's a part of you and try to learn to, to accept it fully and, you know, just recognize that's how it is, or... You can go the other direction and say, well, for me, that doesn't work, and so I'm going to leave, and, and, and you're not trying to change them in that situation. Or, of course, the person could try to manipulate them and say, well, I really want you to change, and, 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 and I'm going to punish you by leaving if, if you don't. You know, or or I'm going to withdraw this, that, or the other thing in the relationship if you don't change. I think all of those options and and sort of a blending of them all in my mind exists, not always perfectly and, clear and or and understood. And I,
2: I I I agree with what you're saying. And what I was saying in my intro about this and boundaries is that boundaries are the other option that says. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I will have you know loving thoughts and affection for you and I'm leaving. If it's in that deal breaker category, right? It's the thing about if it's a no. Yeah, that's, it's a, it's, it's a, that's a, little, a boundary. A so that's thing.
4: a healthy That's a boundary and you're saying that's a healthy way to function, right?
2: I'm saying that when we're talking about this how to get clear about the difference between somebody who's manipulating and saying, oh, I'm just setting boundaries, and what I think boundaries are with respect for you know, everybody involved, et cetera, is this kind of difference. Right? If I'm setting a boundary with somebody with the expectation that they change to, to my way of thinking, that's not setting a boundary, that's
3: manipulation.
4: Right.
3: Yes.
2: If I just if I just okay. say to somebody, "Hey, look, this is who you are, this is what you like. I don't find it acceptable." And they say, "Oh, that's fine. I I I like it and I think it's perfectly acceptable." Then the choice is on me. Do I go into that manipulation and pressuring and threatening or do I just say, "Okay, I'll do my own work to dismantle my upset over it, or if it's in this category of a deal breaker, I say, okay, then we have to change the nature of the relationship because I'm not comfortable doing that. Those are the options. And what I'm trying to talk about is the difference between manipulation and just setting a boundary. Setting the boundary has only to do with telling people what I can and will do. It's not telling the other person that they have to change anything. That's another way to say this, right? I'm just going to say to people, you know, I I had a a business situation years ago where there was quite a a bit of an investment in it, and, and all of a sudden I started to see behavior in the other people that, I didn't find acceptable. And so I called it as unacceptable. And then we took a hiatus and they came back and we said, okay, it's all done, we're all fixed, and then it happened again. And I didn't say, okay, three strikes and you're out. I said, two strikes and I'm out. And I just disengaged. I didn't say, here's what you have to do to get me back. or here's, I just said, I'm not going to do that. And this is where, you know, it goes to what I said earlier about uh, anybody is free to do that as long as they understand there are going to be consequences. And they have to be willing to accept the consequences because they're going to happen whether you like them or not as long as you hold your boundaries. Right? In that situation, it was just, you know, And the entire investment in time, intelligence, money, and energy on my part was gone. And I had to be okay with that before I set the limit.
4: In a a personal relationship, or even in, in that one, where to make the change that you desire or wish that different um, art for them to meet the need that you have, which would be stopping a behavior or starting a behavior, theoretically, either way. Couldn't a per- could a person um, have the boundary, set the boundary, and at the same time say, you know, I really do value this relationship. I wish that you would or could change that, but if you can't, this is what I'm going to do I'm going to leave Uh, uh, but but I think that I'm willing to give time for you to make that change or I'm willing to leave and then hold space or time that you might change and in which case I would be willing to return to the relationship because there are all these things that I value if if I were getting the things that I need in the way I need them and that's not an attempt to manipulate the person it's it's holding open an honest boundary that includes space to give time for that person to change. Is that, how does that fit to what we're talking about? Does that seem consistent?
2: <laughs> well, uh, that, that, you know, for me, the words that you're saying that are key in that give time for the person to change, meaning you're trying to say and do things with the goal of having them change, which is why I said, you know, in the earlier conversation <laughs> I was talking, I said, I have, to, I have to not have an investment in the outcome. Right? I have to just say, I don't
4: think that's normal for a human being involved in, a, in l- particular. Listen, listen, it doesn't, I mean, matter, in many it doesn't matter if it's
2: normal. It doesn't matter if it's normal. I'm okay. just trying to tell you that if okay. I'm, I'm okay. going to be able to be clean and clear about it, I have to be willing to accept the consequences. You know, in that business situation, I didn't tell these people, you have to change this and you have to do that and you can't do that again if you want me around. I just said, this is what you've demonstrated on more than one occasion. That's not acceptable to me. Bless your hearts. Good luck with your project. And I extract myself from it. And there's consequences. I, I gave up a significant amount of my time, intelligence, money, and energy. I lost any, any hope of any return on investment. And I had to be willing to do that just to be true to myself. But if I say to them, so look, you know, uh, the great and powerful Dr. Hayes thinks that you should be behaving this way and that way, so I'll give you six months to get your act together, that, that to me is not good boundaries right that's a whole different level of engagement and trying to pressure people or <laughs> manipulate people
4: uh, okay well I, I i i think i i hear that and i just i'm having trouble within myself seeing where there, where we're being as complex as human beings are there isn't a room for okay, this is my boundary, this is what I'm going to do. You tell that person that. And then it's kind of like what you said you did in the first case. You gave them one more opportunity you, uh, in a way. But 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 it's more with a human being, with a human relationship, where there's a lot of dynamic going on, a lot of emotion, a lot of feeling. seems like it would be perfectly legitimate and not trying to manipulate another person to say, this is how it is. These are my boundaries. And if you okay. choose to Here, change let's, this, let,
2: let, let, let's let's stop this. Let's stop this. Let's define boundaries again.
4: Right? Okay. Thanks.
2: Let's, let's come back and just talk about, because this is what I said, this gets so convoluted and so, because people go, this is right, yeah. that's right. But we, we, we might be saying the same thing using different words and we think we're saying opposite things, et cetera. So I, okay. my definition for boundaries to open this up is the core of boundaries is what I find acceptable and unacceptable. And I establish that by everything I say and do where my words and actions are in alignment. And when my words and actions are not in alignment, it's my actions that establish it. So if I say to somebody, I really don't want to be around people who tell racist jokes. And here's my you know, favorite group of friends, and we get together, and it happens again. And I don't leave. My actions are saying it's okay. Okay. I might leave the party that night and say, you know, I really didn't like it that you were telling racist jokes again. But that's completely irrelevant. If I don't go back, now my actions are saying, okay, Tim finds this unacceptable. So look at the key word, acceptable and not acceptable. Now, what you're trying to talk about in relationship are all of these things they don 't fall into acceptable or not acceptable they fall into preferences. Gee, I really wish you would clean up your your dishes after you you know I, I really wish you wouldn't leave the car you know three clicks from empty after you've borrowed it that's not that's not like deal breaker that's not acceptable or not acceptable. those are all there's all kinds of stuff in relationships that we work on my upset about and then negotiate change and we work together and this is we're not saying every little thing is this way and you just if they don't if they don't behave just the way you want then you leave the relationship we're not talking about that we're talking about core things that are deal breakers and everybody decides what's a deal breaker for them or not Right? So somebody says, hey, I'm in this relationship with you. We've been in it for six months. Everything's great. The sex is great. The conversation's great. Hey, why don't you meet me at the bar? Okay, I'll meet you at the bar for some drinks before dinner. And I get to the bar, and my partner's there with two other people. He wants to take home and have sex, as, and there's no there's no notice. There's no. It, it's like sprung on me. Well, for some people, gee, what a nice surprise. I'm glad my partner is... You know, willing to explore sexually for other people—that's a deal breaker. So we're not talking about, <clears throat> hey, I, I, you know, you didn't mow the lawn the way I like it mowed. I'm leaving the relationship. Does that help clear things up a bit? We're talking about critically acceptable or not acceptable things, and there are going to be very few of those for healthy people in a relationship because a healthy person in a relationship is going to understand it's not possible for them to actually like every little thing that another person does. Right? They're lucky if they can get to the 60 or 70% mark. They're, they're in heaven if they get to the 80% mark of really liking everything about their
4: partner. Sure. And I I guess I'm tempted just to say, yes, thank you. I understand what you're saying better. And, you know, I because I I want this conversation to be, you know, helpful for everybody on the show and constructive. And, you know, yet for me, I feel I guess I maybe I just I think I understand what you're saying and I think that's the best I can do. I think that that for me, I feel like there's a complexity there where where goalposts can change. What 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 one finds acceptable one day might not be a year later, uh, because because we're growing and shifting and and I also think that there's there's room in a relationship for someone to try to persevere for a while with something that's not acceptable to them in hopes that the other person might be able to manage that but, but still ultimately hold to the boundary that they that they have because they feel they have no choice or the boundary that's evolved in them. Oh, and
2: oh, oh, Okay. So what I would say to that is you and I are basically saying the same thing with different words because if okay. it's something that I can put up with for a year and a half, it's not unacceptable to me. Yet, no, Yet, it's not unacceptable right? to me. If I'm putting up with it for a year and a half, <laughs> my behavior is saying it's not unacceptable. It's acceptable.
4: Okay, that this may be this helpful is, me to is, understand. Yeah,
2: right. Th- this
4: if, is the not, point of. But even if my words are, if this doesn't change, then I will leave. You know, I, no, I will. I will no, allow no, you no. one year to to change. No, no, it. No, no,
2: no. Because well, remember what I said about. The boundaries is Yeah. It's it's what my words and actions say when they're lined up or what my actions say when my words go in a different direction. So it isn't that this is unacceptable to me if I'm staying there.
4: Then Pardon me when, when they leave at that point the goalpost has changed. Now it's unacceptable?
2: That's right. When you finally leave, that's your behavior saying this was unacceptable. But until then, if you're staying, it's not unacceptable. Your behavior is saying yet. it's acceptable.
3: Okay. Period. Now, right. there
2: is no yet. This is today. <laughs> we only have the now moment. We're not talking about a boundary I'm setting for something six years from now. Right? That's not a okay. boundary. That's some kind of philosophical game-playing. That's That's fantasy. If I'm staying in the relationship today, it's acceptable to me. Whatever's happening in it is acceptable if I'm staying. This is just by the definition I was giving, and I'm only giving that definition to help us communicate more clearly about it. Like I said earlier, I think you and I are both basically saying the same thing, but we have these different words
4: for it. So, So, So how do we explain or frame a situation where someone says, I really don't like this and then they stay, and then at some point they leave. What has, what has happened? What has happened? Has their boundary changed? Has what's acceptable and unacceptable changed for them at that moment? Is that what, yes, is that's what we would say has happened? Yes,
2: by the definition we're using, yes, hmm. right? Because okay. the definition we're using is what my behavior expresses.
4: Okay, so people's boundaries and what's acceptable and unacceptable can change over time. Right? All
2: the time. you agree? All the time.
4: Okay. Okay.
2: People change their behavior all the time. They change their mind. They change okay. their decisions. Absolutely. Okay. And we're just trying to give a good functional, or you might call it an operational definition, to what is a boundary. Okay. It's not that it's right or wrong, good or bad, up or down. We're just trying to give it a way to have it defined so that when we talk about it, we're in agreement about what we're saying. We're not saying it's right or wrong, good or bad, to stay or leave. We're just saying in this discussion, the definition of boundaries is what I find as acceptable and or unacceptable as defined by what I do.
4: What, what I do. And okay. when my
2: words match that, it's even more effective in communicating it. When they don't match that, it sends mixed messages and there's a lot of confusion. But the boundary is defined by my actions, not my words.
4: All right. Yep. Okay. Very good. I think I've got that sorted of through the level of next understanding that I was looking to, to to achieve. So thank you very much for that.
2: Well, you're entirely welcome and deserving, and thank you so much for the comments and questions. As we say, it helps everybody when that happens. I'll leave your microphone open just in case this other person has a comment for you. Area code 541, you're in the air.
5: Yes, so Linda here. Yes, I do have a comment, and it's I'm really enjoying this conversation because it's right down what's happening in my own life right now, and I feel kind of like i was um i was understanding um or my perception was that I was understanding both of what you both were saying um, i i i, I having difficulties in my relationship, just like every relationship comes to speed bumps. And there were certain issues in my relationship that have never been resolved. And it was like, to me, a tennis match between both of us of, well, you can accept me the way I am or you can change. (laughs) And I have come to the realization that I had to focus on the wrong person. That um the focus was really about me, and you mentioned this, Dr. Tim, that if I find a behavior so unacceptable that i um, that I want to leave, but then I don't want to leave, and I get in that bind, which is what I hear um, Doug saying, which I get in myself into, yes, I want my cake and to eat it too, I want um, to be responsible responsible and I put my stuff oh Celinda, so you faded,
2: system. oh this Doug, one? can you hear her?
4: No, it happened It's like your finger got over the microphone on your phone or something. Move your hand to a different place maybe uh,
5: that's very possible um where did you lose me? <laughs> well, you came <laughs> back briefly and
4: then faded again away. <laughs>
5: Okay, so what I was saying was that the bottom line is that um, I, I, what Doctor that when I find myself in that bind, I need to do my forgiveness work. Pure and simple. That I need to put the focus on me, and ask to be shown, and uh, what's mine to do, and uh, please help me do it. And that's just kind of where it is. So it's an, for me, it's not an either-or situation. It's having the clear boundaries, like Dr. Tim says, and having clarity, like you said, in my own mind. And I can get down the rabbit hole in a, in a heartbeat. Everybody knows that except me. <laughs> Everybody recognizes me in the rabbit hole before I do. Um, and so I realize... Well, why wow. who who's what's my co creative part in this foment? And what am I attached to? And who who or what am I running after, like the rose and the butterfly, doesn't matter how trivial it is or how life threatening it is that I put between me and who I am and my source. And so I right. think Well thank I see you. I have to, to cut you
2: off there because we're gonna run out of time. But I appreciate the comments, questions, the discussion from both of you. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Celinda. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love and everything else is false. Welcome Jeannie Rice.
1: Thank you, Doctor Kim. Looks like you were having a, a good conversation going there.
3: <laughs>
2: well, I think I think for the you know, summary for your notes or whatever it would be. Uh, I think the biggest part of the conversation had to do with the difference between boundaries and manipulation in relationships. So so. Ah. have a Good. wonderful show.
1: Thank you. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShift Radio. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. And our calling number is 563-999-3581, and press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and questions, because that makes this your show. And I see Doug's hand still up, but I believe that Dr. Tim was talking to you already, but I'm going to turn on your microphone and just make sure. How are you doing,
4: Doug? I'm um, doing okay. Yes, he was. <laughs> I was part of okay. that
1: conversation. <laughs> okay. Very good. Well, I will meet you back then. And um, I see Susan has her hand up. Uh, so we'll give Michael just a minute to dial in. But how are you doing today, Susan? I'm doing okay. And I don't have anything to
0: say except I hope Doug is still on because that.
1: He question, and
0: I'll turn his mic back on, too. Oh, yeah. It was wonderful, that. Doug. Thank you so much. I've been wrestling with what? a similar thing, and um, the investment, the personal investment, for me, <clears throat> I feel as if I can't help myself, but I'm going to manipulate. I haven't gotten to the point where I've done what Dietrich and Michael Rice say to do, Really, 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 get into a state where it's all about me. I'm totally neutral. I can drop my hopes, drop my goals, drop my expectations, let everything go. And then I think I could set a boundary and stick to it. And I do, in many instances in my life, and in my marriage oh my gosh, you laughed. Here's some of the things Tim and I have neg- Tim Bingham and I have
5: negotiated.
0: Uh, and we both haven't left, we're still here, but to really, really, really want something so deeply, and so that practically everything you do, you could see as a manipulation, because you're just not ready to let go and leave, I mean, that's what I thought you were kind of driving at, and Man, I feel for you if it is, and if it isn't, I'm projecting totally on. I'm in garbage city with my own stuff. <laughs> but anyway, I love the name. Discussion. The fear.
6: Name the fear. Are you, Susan, is
0: that a an, an, yeah?
6: In the situation you're working on, Susan, and, and Doug, I'm glad you're here. I, I don't know what you were talking about, but maybe we can go into that a little bit. But but the hit that I get, Susan, when you talk about, you know, with all that emotion, all that energy you had, is that behind the inability to do what your soul wants you to do, what your choice is, is mm-hmm. in carbon-based memory there's a fear. Oh, yeah.
0: You oh, yeah.
5: Oh, that yeah. Fear, okay.
6: Then you'll be able to have you'll you'll have choice in that in that arena
5: yep
0: well I haven't given it up okay haven't Mm.
6: Uh, so what's the fear about doing
0: a lot of um, being shown up to be as worthless as I think I am. And I know that isn't true. So I'm dealing. I've got a lot of healthy self in there, looking at this little sick globule (laughs) in the center of myself. (laughs) And
3: you're
6: right back, you're right back to your first power person message.
0: It is, it is. And, um, the tools, the governor of all of it,
6: that's what runs the
0: world. Yeah. Oh, but it comes right down to it. And I still don't do it. Uh, I look, I watch, I don't do anything damaging. Uh, I know enough to know not to do that. But I'm still very stuck. Uh, lots and lots of journal writing. So, so how about a yeah, mind shift? you you're right. Okay, you gave me one before, and it fell right into the journal writing. Okay, mind shifter. Doug, I
3: didn't give mean you to one. hijack
0: this about Doug. <clears throat>
6: Well, I think Doug was complete. You called in, and then you asked for Doug to come on, so I don't think you hijacked it. I think you're right here, and, hey, we're all in this together. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so mind shift. I'm ready. My uh, suggestion for a mind would be my power person, blank, fill it in with mom <laughs> or whoever.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah.
6: Always embraced me fully. as one of the sweetest, most mm-hmm. wisdom-filled people in her life.
0: Oh, that would be lovely.
6: Okay, so that's the first thing to go on the opposite side. So now we want to look at why you would say that would be lovely, because if it were true, you just said, that's right.
5: So now, what's,
6: <laughs> right. what are the specifics that need to be resonated into awareness with that? And when you let go of that, when you go through that one, then bingo. Everything will change. <clears throat> kind of like Nightfall's Day. Yeah. So breathing with you. Are you breathing? Of course you're breathing. Totally. I'm breathing. Completely. <laughs> completely right right mm-hmm. down into the deepest parts of your belly, right?
0: I am now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks. That was an excellent... You sure hit the road running, Michael. You just barely got on the line and hand out a mind shifter.
7: Very good work.
6: <laughs> just doing my job. Having um, been there, done that. I got the brain cells for it.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <sighs>
6: So what's happening with your breath? And where's your mind now?
0: I'm thinking i better get off the phone. My breath stops, and I've got to get out of here.
6: So is that in response to the mind shifter? Or is there some reason you actually have to get out of here?
0: No, it's the mind shifter. I feel as if I'm suddenly on the hottest hot seat. Okay.
6: Great. So then I'd write that down on the right hand side. And then would you like to stay on the hot seat? Or would you like to get out of here? Or, you know, whatever, whatever fits and works. I'll support you.
0: That's very nice of you. I think I'll get off the hot seat. I'll get off.
6: Okay, well, maybe Doug. How about you, Doug? Do you want to jump on the hot seat?
3: <laughs> Maybe
4: Jeannie will. I, 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 I guess. I mean, I. <laughs>
1: then, what's your fear, Doug?
4: <laughs> My fear, nothing. Is nothing like
6: well. the one that uh, that Susan just illuminated.
0: Oh, nothing. Not right? at all.
4: <laughs> I think it probably
0: is. <laughs>
7: Yeah,
4: being alone. Yeah, being is alone. Is that is that under your fear? Is that part of your fear Susan, too? Think what Doug? Yes. Are you saying that's part of your fear also, or not?
0: Well, I think the the intensity and uh, is probably similar. The situation is very different. It has not to do with my husband. It really does have to do with a power person a substitute uh, that I've stuck in that role at the moment. Hope to get a handle on it. Okay. Hmm.
6: Well, we'll breathe with you and hold the space.
0: Thanks.
1: Um, just I was attempting to, to bring the uh, note page up. And what was your fear again, Susan? And the reason I ask, all of this goes along with a person who I just had a session with, and mm-hmm. their fears more like Doug's of being alone and being lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh huh.
3: What,
1: what was yours again? That you wouldn't be being acknowledged. Acknowledged or or oh, being unworthy, noticed.
0: unacceptable disgusting, there are lots of adjectives, gross. And, of course, the aging process doesn't help that because I don't have youth and agility and beauty. Not that I thought I was beautiful, but now when I look at myself as a younger person, I think I was pretty good looking. But I only had those feelings lately when it's different, you know. So, anyway, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Lots of- <coughs>
6: You bring up a really powerful point there, is that many things that occur over which our trauma is activated and we think have to do with the thing, Mm -hmm. when we realize it has absolutely nothing to do with the thing, and as you just said, you look back later and you go, oh, gee, I look pretty good. Why couldn't you Mm -hmm. have said that 40 years ago? Because you had a heart disorder about... Because you had a thought disorder that said, I am broken, whatever the variations on the theme were.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and if you look true. over
6: the period of a lifetime, there's so many things that at the moment seem so terrible. And, and now you look back on them and they were absolute gifts. Were they terrible at the time? Mm-hmm. No, but I had a reality in my mind that said they were terrible. So what was terrible was the reality my mind was outputting. And when I realize the yeah. thought sort disorders behind that, I bring them forward to conscious awareness and let go of them, then all similar traumas just disappear because yeah. they were never there except this construct of the mind.
0: Yeah, that's true. I can feel the truth of that. Yeah, I was never yeah. available to accept who I was in the sick part. I mean, I did... I had so much health and did so much and was, I was a good teacher and a runner of rehearsals and all sorts of things. So there was a lot good going on, which I, have, I think I've acknowledged all the way along the line. I remember Eckhart Tolle saying, you know, some people who really have a bruise in the center of the so- their souls, they still are very highly function- functional in different aspects of their lives and he mentioned teachers they step into an ego state Kim Bingham still says that he hears me teaching my little fitness classes and he says wow you're you just like you're gone because you're so into it you have disappeared and I have I love my students and we're just connected for that half hour I think let me stay there all the time but I don't and the other side comes in again
6: So my offering would be that the exact reverse is true. You didn't disappear in those moments. They're the moments when you showed up.
1: I get that. Yeah, that's
5: true.
6: And then the false self, the one that Yeshua said, in order for you, awesome being to live, you, power person-based, non-being, trauma-based person, have to die. So all those moments where the world says, Oh, you disappeared No 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 no. That's when the real being showed up. That's when you were on purpose and you were rocking.
3: Yeah. It's that other self.
0: Yep. It's amazing that all self consciousness small self consciousness disappears during those times.
6: And because you weren't in small
0: self. Yeah. I love that idea. You were in I never being. thought of it that way.
6: Mm. You were in being. That's
0: nice. And well, that's you know, why?
3: <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Well, I was just thinking about what Doug, how Doug kept struggling to find the words to say. What I think, I mean, I was projecting like mad into his speaking. What I thought he was trying to say, I was feeling very deeply, it's like I can't even speak to this particular person at the moment because if I say anything, I'll be manipulating. I haven't gotten to the point where I can step away from wanting acknowledgement I'm just not well, you know, so I just watch it. I think, holy mackerel, this is powerful stuff. do a lot of journal writing, which consists, sometimes I'll go for my long walk and I'll just talk. I'll talk. Um, I'll let it all fall out, and then I look at what I'm saying, and I think, whoa, this is amazing. So there's processing going on, but I'm still not well enough to deal in real time with a real human yet that's the closest i've ever come to saying anything about this so the the mind shifter is right on though it's to me my mind is absolutely not true the mind shifter and so there's a lot of writing on the other side of the paper to be done but meanwhile i was just so into what mike uh, what mike what doug was saying and appreciating how brave he was to try to put what he wanted to say into words. Anyway, so it was just a great show. It was a good discussion. What were you gonna say, Michael?
1: Michael, I think you're talking, but you're well, not one coming of through the reasons.
6: One of the reasons for the Purpose, Personal, Power, and Commitment Worksheet, which is being on purpose, we offer that to people and use that, is because one of the ways of bringing being into expression, like you're talking about with your classes and how you feel about, I don't offer you weren't loving your students at all, you were just there as the presence of love. And yep. it's when we're on purpose that, that we're aligned. That's when... You know, all of the aspects of the self or the expression come into alignment and being just flows through the whole thing. It's Mm -hmm. when one of the other aspects that needs to be aligned, whether it's our thoughts, our words, you know, regulatory speech, whether it's filters in the mind, whatever it is, that's out of alignment and inhibiting us from being in that. But notice the place where you experience that true state of being is when you're on purpose
0: <laughs> yeah
6: Doug does that ring true for you
4: well yes I, I there was something you said that particularly stood out now I can't get my my mind wrapped around those words exactly but um, wish I could uh yeah. But I which part of the discussion Yeah, just was it? that you weren't being that you weren't being your in your being versus when you aren't when you know, when you're when you're in right. your being you're not self conscious. That's that's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty profound. That's that's quite a quite a bit of feedback that's available to us if we're aware of it. You know. Um and just an important thing to note.
6: And, and just, just to, to also note, and this to me is um, an opening for more inspiration <laughs> to do that, to, to express that, is it notice in what uh, Susan just shared, her husband is so used to her not showing up that when she shows up, he says, oh, you're not here anymore. And that's, you know, that's indicative of how much we're ruled by that false self. And the world, oh I mean, it's the world's game to support that false self. It's like what the whole world story is about. That's why every word she starts out with, I, and there's a blank there for your name, who in love, to really yeah, so begin to way identify
4: with it. Go ahead. Another way of saying that is to say that we're we're so used to being in our non-being selves that we're having relationships all the time with another non-being self from our non-being self, and when when right. either shows up as being, this, that's that's an unfamiliar situation. <laughs> right.
6: And and the empowerment of that showing up puts people into a healing crisis.
4: Uh, so so for for one to show up in that puts the other into the link right. So well means- self or other. Self or other. That Michael, higher level of vitality say-
6: will tend to move whatever's blocking the full expression. Okay, I don't so showing get what you're up-
0: saying, Michael, and it's important. Say again, sorry Doug. I don't want to miss right, it. It ahead. seemed important.
6: So when what, remember that <clears throat> in step four in the worksheet, what do I do? I tap in to the most powerful, clearest presence of love that I can. I'm calling my true being into my physiology, into my mind, into my emotions, into my perception, into my world. That's the vitalizer. And there's nothing we can heal unless we have the vitality to heal it. One of the things that scares people away from expressing who they are is because when you bring that full level of power forward, everything unlike it starts to shake loose, starts to move, whether it's inside of one's own mind or emotions or literally body, diseases, or in a relationship. Everything that is unlike that new level of vitality and aliveness that shows up, starts to shake loose. And that's when a lot of people are like, well, let me just go back and get, you know, we should have a drink, you know. Well, let's go out and have a smoke. Let's do something to lower vitality so that we don't have to deal with this. Look at Yeshua. He comes in, you know, he, he, by his own admission, hasn't reached the pinnacle yet. So let's say in a world that's running at maybe a level two vitality, he comes in at an eight. Mm. And everybody goes nuts. And what do they do? They kill him. Yeah. Why? Because the, the, the vitality, the presence of that much love, means everything and everybody Around whatever is going on starts to splash up to the surface for healing, and because people don't know what healing looks like because people don't understand the healing process because people can't be don't know how to be responsible for the output of their own minds, what do they do? They turn it toward the source of the vitality, the object of attention of the vitality, and let's get rid of it well. Wow. Oh, yeah, we've all been yeah. talking about it. We've all said that's what we want. But but I don't want to look at this generational hate and murder and vengeance and terror and trauma. So let's get rid of what brings that up in me. What we're looking Sorry, to Michael do with did. this show, with this work, is is to make it safe for the most horrific things that anybody carries into the airwaves with us to come to the surface for healing.
0: God, Michael, this is incredible. This leads to a huge question, and it might not even be appropriate on the show. Of course, but it there is. There are people it's here. on. Okay, it's here. There are people on Facebook saying that Trump is Jesus Christ, and I'm thinking maybe <laughs> he is. Maybe he's showing us the Antichrist, the underbelly that needs healing. Is this the next big? Gift. I mean, boy, talk about blowing the mind.
6: Well, actually, if you go to, I think it was maybe the first or second show after the 2016 election, that's exactly what I said. Not that he was Jesus Christ. I wouldn't even conceive of that. But that his expression is showing mm-hmm. everybody, go back, I, I think it was the first or the second show after the election, take a look, he's showing everybody their darkest underbelly. And if everybody who's looking at their darkest underbelly, their rays, their projections on him or anybody else, for that matter, if they were to be able to own that and recognize it with their own, he would be one of the greatest gifts humanity's ever received. Maybe right up mm-hmm. there next to Yeshua. Yeshua do the empowerment, he brings up, he resonates directly the most vile and vicious that most people carry in themselves.
0: Right. And gives permission for it. Well, there is a, a woman who channels Jesus who I think she's the one who said, It takes a very brave person to choose to be a Hitler on the planet. They're doing us a great service, and I I just I understand what she's saying. I don't spend any time thinking about that, but this is similar.
6: Uh, I wouldn't go there. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't compare the two. The two for me are not in the same arena. No.
0: Well, you could just. I don't
6: think. Pardon me.
0: You could just say Trump. That she would say that about Trump. That he's a brave soul, well, uh, bod- bodiless, and now he he agreed to come here to show us something. That's giving him an awful lot of credit. I mean, incredible. That total. would be. Well, we're saying
6: that that's a conscious decision or choice made by that individual. And my take in observing the behaviors is it's anything but a conscious choice. I think it's a... I ha- like, I I often stand in great compassion and totally, um, purposely extend love in his direction because I can't imagine how much pain he's in. So mm-hmm. I would call that the accidental expression of mass hate, fear, rage, guilt, you know, whether it's Hitler whoever would express like that i i wouldn't put them i mean it's possible i guess i've have even said that before well maybe they're a fully conscious realized being just con- but i don't think a fully conscious realized being would be expressing those kinds of attributes in any way shape or form
0: mhm well i i i feel that way too but i do
3: i feel for both of them open yeah.
0: yeah. Anyway, thanks for going all the way over there.
3: But what fun. I had
0: a friend. She, yeah, I had a friend who wrote a book about evil. Her name was Marilyn Adams, a priest, an Episcopal priest. Wonderful book. Right. And I I knew her while she was alive. She's about she, was, she died young. But I said to her, how how were you able to write that book, the most insightful book? And she said, because I know myself. What she was saying is, I know, I think I know at least almost the amount of darkness I have in myself. And I appreciated her for that very much. It was a struggle for her, sort of like St. Augustine, who struggled so hard against what he saw as his own darkness but I think that's part of being in a separate body. We, we aren't connected enough to know that we're connected and we, we're not connected to love because we have bodies which help us feel separated from one another. And anyways, this has just been on my mind. The full spectrum of what we're capable of includes what Trump can be and do. I wouldn't do those things, but I I can conceive of them. I can feel some of them. So it seems almost an insurmountable task to just be love. Truly stay there.
6: Well that my offering would be that's exactly what the ego wants you to believe. That it's an insurmountable task. Okay. And notice that all you have to do is your purpose and you're there. You just told us what it looks like and how it came about.
3: Whoa.
0: So it isn't a matter of... It's a matter of disappearing.
6: No, it's a matter of appearing. It's a matter of appearing. Again, remember, in order for you to live being the truth of who you are, the true, total, complete presence and resonance of love, the you that you think you were has to die and that self has to go. So, no, it's a matter of showing up and coming into expression so that the false self disappears and remember that the word evil in Aramaic relates to sin. Remember, sin's the archery term. Yes. You fired the bullseye, yes. you missed the bullseye. You're still on the target, but you missed the bullseye, and the scorekeeper yells sin. If you miss the target altogether, then the, the scorekeeper yells evil. Like, you missed mm. totally. So for a human life, for a human being to function as love and come in in rage and abuse and criminality is evil meaning it's it's simply off the mark and one of my thing one of the things i would love to do is just take a moment and think about your friend who wrote that book even though she's not in her body and invite everybody for a moment to just be a space for her to free herself from the belief that any of that that she saw in herself had anything to do with the truth about her. Oh, to offer her that. She would love that. that, mm. that yeah, that's what, mm. I mean, what do we carry? I mean, what was my or your or Doug's great, 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 great grandfather doing? Uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what any of our ancestors, we just need to look at the history to look at some of the absolute, disgusting, despicable, horrific things that have been done within family systems, within communities, within countries, within cultures, within how foreigners are treated. So that's, you know, when the scriptures talk about look to the lives of the fathers, for us are but a shadow of theirs, they're saying, start looking at what's in you because that's what you're carrying around and When a circumstance shows up that resonates that 10th generation back that was what the world would call the epitome of evil that was in your bloodline, then that's going to come forward in you. And when it comes forward, you're going to do one or two things. You're going to fall unconscious in it, and you're going to bring it into expression and make it part of who you think you are, or you're going to go, holy crap, what is this? I'm ready to be finished with this one. If this inclination is in me, if this energy is in me, I'm ready to process it out and be done with it, not just for me, but for my whole family system, for all my relations. Mm. Because we all carry that around in us. Remember mm. Francois Fenelon's quote?
0: Oh, yeah. I think of him a lot.
6: Yeah. I mean, he, he laid it out. But yeah, he did. to me, the thing to, to really understand is, well, all of that stuff is in us and tends to rule us, run us, and appear as us. When we get into our true purpose, who we really are shows up, and that stuff takes a back row seat. If I choose to do my work... I consistently persistently dissolve the capacity in myself for those lower expressions and build this mm. instrument and a part of the instrument is my genes you know if I if I love listening to uh, let's say there's a particular symphony i hear it's going to be on you know XFM station tomorrow afternoon and I dig out my $10 transistor radio and I turn it on, well, I'm going to get to listen to that symphony. Mm -hmm. But then, if I turn on my $100,000 stereo system and tuner, I'm really going to get to listen to that symphony. Mm -hmm. Now, they're both expressions of the same originating energy, but what comes through the $10 transistor radio, that would be the equivalent of the person who we would call evil or the person lost in sin would be like the ten dollar transistor radio. What comes through is pretty tinny and pretty crappy. Even though I like the essence of what's behind it, if I'm listening on a literally listening on a ten dollar transistor radio, I'm not gonna probably get a whole lot of enjoyment out of it. But if I take that same signal, that same state of being and I bring it through my hundred dollars, $1, thousand dollar stereo system, man, I am immersed in heaven. To me, what this, this work is about is we each have an instrument called the body-mind unit that includes our genes, and the idea is to upgrade the instrument so that it's the equivalent of that $100,000 serial system and gives full expression to the full truth of what we each are as human beings. And that ultimately our purpose is to be here to support each and every other rather than the competition game to support each and every other mm-hmm. in their full expression. Mm. And any reality that carbon based memory, remember, six, six, six. The Antichrist, that which goes against the presence of active love in me, anything in carbon-based memory that comes up can tend to inhibit that, unless I'm aware. Oh, here's another piece of my puzzle that I can throw away. Here's another thing I need to move through. And Doug, what I what I hear you saying, and I didn't hear any of your uh, your conversation earlier with Doctor Tim, but just from what little you said, there is a a state where one is alone. And of course, that state is nothing that can be forgiven, it's just the state. And then there's a construct of the mind called loneliness, which is there to be forgiven. And it's that construct of the mind and whatever thought disorders are behind it, and who knows, you know, the the gamut of loneliness could be from you know isolation suffering attack death starvation you know it, it could be a myriad of of uh, energetic patterns or or thought complexes that go into creating that state and so if one's identified with that state or that that uh, pardon me that uh construct in the mind then there's going to be a whole lot of trauma in that loneliness It's got nothing to do with being alone, except that alone triggers the construct in the mind that holds the suffering, loneliness. And when we choose to let go of suffering, and suffering is nothing more than a construct of the mind, then the game changes. So my input would be that, you know, it sounds like the next piece of work that's up for you is that of forgiving loneliness.
4: And I've got a mind
6: shifter for that if you'd like it.
4: Okay, Um, sure. I'm ready to write it.
6: One of my favorite things in the world is to be isolated and alone. Where I know that I will probably not even see another human being for the next half century.
4: <laughs> Does
6: that resonate? It?
4: To finishing it for <laughs> <Okay>. me. Uh. <laughs> well, well I, I, my first impression from this is that it. it it teaches me something. It it it, it, it teaches me something about <coughs> the aloneness fear, which 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 is. I, I mean, that's the first part. Then, of course, there's the next. But this, like this, would not be as scary as as what it shows me is that part of my loneliness fear and pain is to do with feeling that being alone suggests my incompetence or, or is a testimony to my incompetence. Like like this so that's particular a thought. situation. Yeah. So so a, notice
6: a you categorize thought. that as a feeling. But notice you categorize okay. that as a feeling and it's a thought and it's a thought disorder that opens up and points you into I'd offer the next big piece of work you need to do.
4: <laughs> Which would be <laughs> something to do with being competent. And, and, and confident. This, this thought, this set of thought disorders that you're incompetent. Is that, again,
6: and you know, we're, we're probably back to, uh, if we gave you and uh, Susan about two minutes to talk, we'd probably be back to the exact same thought disorder. That's a power person message
7: that you're broken.
6: You're incompetent. There's something wrong with you.
7: Right. <laughs> yes. It it, it. it. Yes.
6: And that's just the yes, thought that, disorder.
7: That's... and notice how it
6: even impacted your physiology, like closed your throat up. Oh,
4: absolutely. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> see 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 being in the world alone where I wouldn't see another human being for a half a century <laughs> doesn't resonate the same pain because because there'd be no one around in that situation to testify that the reason I'm alone is because I 'm incompetent it's being alone in the presence of the world that 's what I noticed in the mind shifter right away because okay. because in my okay. worksheet that I...
6: okay, let's put a comment at the end of that mind shifter <laughs>
4: okay.
6: yes, except for the procession of people.
3: <laughs>
6: who will show up to testify about my incompetence.
7: And we got my chip chapter for
3: everything.
4: <laughs> 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 show up to testify of my incompetence? We'll show up about my
6: incompetence. To testify about my incompetence.
0: Michael, you have an evil chuckle. <laughs>
3: you mean an evil the what? Mark?
6: I've missed a tar- chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was like Mr.
4: Snyder's uh,
6: laughter. And listen to how it's opening Doug's
4: throat. <laughs> Closing it. Yeah.
7: It, it, that, it's I, I can that... just
4: see with you. Go ahead. My upset almost inevitably triggers a cough. You know, it's it's like that. It's like if I'm coughing, I know I have an issue. Yeah, and your body,
6: what your body's saying is, I want, I'm trying to get rid of this. Like it's time for me to be done with this. Oh,
4: that's a new way to look at it.
6: Yeah, hey. my body's like saying, get this out of here. This is like right in my oh, core.
3: Yeah. And I need to unload
4: it. Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness! Hmm. So, so notice
6: where the focal point of that cough is, where the root of it is, and that's the tissue that the energy you need to process through is probably stored. You know, So is it in your upper chest? Is it in your, your solar plexus? Is it down in your belly? Where's the cough
4: coming from? Is it up in your throat? It's, it's in, up the, in your sinuses. It's, it's in the upper chest. It's in the bronchioles. It's right above yeah. the lungs it's in my upper chest.
3: Uh, Did you
6: have bronchial problems as a kid? I
4: I don't remember that being a persistent problem. I had sore throats and ear infections all Mm -hmm. the time. But, yeah. Now, my mother, on the other hand, has bronchial issues, that's... When she gets a bronchial infection, it it can be really bad. And and she used to get them quite a bit. She hasn't lately, but... So you might be dealing with a generational pattern there. Yeah. How did mom do with being alone? Oh, I don't think she likes it at all. Hmm. Absolutely, I know she... I know she... I know she doesn't like it. I know she mm. does not like it. Yeah, that that's, that that brings up pain for her a lot. Yeah, uh, it's it's excruciating for her. She'll call me up. I'm alone. You know, um, if if so, those with her are not different. there.
6: Yeah. So a gift you might give her is to just kind of get centered, tap into tap into her energy, and see if you have her permission, and do a worksheet on this issue as though you were her, speaking as I her see. first person. And you may find that will take you to the depth of what this is about in your body, and alleviate both of you of the burden. And what was the lesson? Alleviate both of you of the burden. Oh. So, Ms. Susan, were you just seeing Snidely Whiplash back there, twisting his mustache as he laughed?
0: (laughs) No, I just like your cackle. Every once in a while, you... You know you're you hit pay dirt and you're enjoying yourself. That's what it sounds. like. I
6: love like. it. Great. To me, it's
0: so exciting <laughs>
6: when those files open up.
0: Yeah.
3: Hmm.
0: Tell you. There was an amazing reading in the service this last Sunday. I just found it because we ha- we are very familiar with the sins of the fathers will be visited upon the sons. In this right. e- Ezekiel it says Ezekiel says the word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel, which is the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on grapes. And, yeah. yeah, and Ezekiel hears, as I live, says the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Know that all lives are mine. The life of the parent as well as the life of the child is mine. It is only the person who sins that shall die. Well, I talked to my rector about this, and he said, well, yes it's no longer considered a sin if the child bears some of the, the patterns of the parents but the children are still inheriting the bad things from the parents i thought that was an interesting observation too so anyway
6: my my take on that would be those who truly connect to the full active presence of love all of that is going to be processed, so they're not going to be stuck in that anymore.
0: Yeah. So I'd hear well, that as a conditional really believe, statement
6: from love.
0: Mm-hmm. If we really believe that we are gods and that our children are gods, that would take care of it. But we don't really believe it yet, I guess. Or we come in and out.
6: Now, when you're saying gods, is that G-O-D apostrophe S or G-O-D-S?
0: Apostrophe. Yeah, yeah. That is the What's your use
1: apostrophe.
7: What's your intention <laughs> about the difference it. of those two, Mike? Well, no, one would be if if we
6: are in total alignment with the Creator, and the Creator, by definition, is love. Then we're at full load vitality, and everything's going to be processed out of us from the generations. so that would be the apostrophe s if it was just g o d s then that's we're proclaiming that we are the creator so are you are you in full alignment, which could be expressed in that that hebraic aramaic way of thinking are you in full alignment with the creator in that you are the creator's possession you are owned by therefore held by therefore protected by therefore healed by the presence of the active love of the creator if you could open fully for to that all of your genes would be instantly transmuted right yes But if you're striving to be the creator then you've got a problem.
7: Go ahead and expand on that one a little bit more. I mean I yes, obviously, but, but let's talk about what is your problem. What are you doing? What's happening there? The ego is declaring itself. Is that like is that not akin to uh maybe what Satan's original scripturally proclaimed at least story error was you know saying I I I am it's his well, personality is God
6: well remember that Satan in Aramaic is not this dude with the red suit the tail and a pitchfork that of course of course terrorize little children but Satan means the resistor one who misleads yes they're identical The Antichrist, 666, 6 electrons, 6 protons, 6 neutrons, carbon-based atom, carbon-based memory, stores painful realities. And held there, we're locked into it. When, when the product of what's stored in the mind from the past comes forward as the big ego self and I am God, then good luck. Right. So yeah, and yeah yes, again, it is. The I mean, they are one and the same. The so non-being the self.
0: says we are creators.
6: Yes, we are creators, but we are not the creator. There's a difference.
0: Okay, good. I certainly know that. <laughs>
7: Yeah, and I think all those stories line up in a way, or can be seen as lining up in a way. I mean, from the, I don't, I, I, I get this information from my, my, my upbringing as a Mormon. I don't know how, how, I don't have the brain cells for like, is that exactly in scripture, traditional scripture? But you know, Satan saying, I'm, I mean, I, I, I have. Okay, so Satan saying. I'm 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 God. I'm bigger than God. I'm 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 bigger than God. That's sort of like ego saying, I'm bigger than God, I'm God. That was his original error that led to him being cast out of heaven in the Mormon theology. And then there's of course the definition of Satan going to and fro back and forth upon the earth, which is the creation of ego and carbon based memory and the build up of all of that saying the same. To me they all fit together. That's Everything you said. They're one and the same. All right. That would be my take. (sighs) And, of course, what we want to reaffirm that is to be so aligned with the flow that we become the children of God by the fact that we're open to the flow of and aligned with the flow of and become an agent of the divine force.
6: Taking our proper place in the game.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: The gate is open. Rathma is open. The gate is open and the flow of active, present love is unlimited. But then when we get into that non-being mind, that non-being self, that non-being self wants to be the creator, wants to write the laws, wants to become a lawmaker. Sure does. Rather than... understanding and honoring the way the energy system works and stepping up to the plate as active, present love and processing through whatever is moving that is unlike love. So it sounds like, for Susan, self-deprecation is the reality that blocks the truth of being. And, Doug, for you, it's self-deprecation that blocks the truth of being. All those people that would stand around and tell you what's wrong with you, why you're incompetent, why. And they're just thought. they're just constructs in the mind, carbon-based memory reflecting... Generational patterns of constructs, and you know, my observation over fifty years of working with people is there are some variations on the theme, but the primary one that takes us out of in theos enthusiasm, literally meaning in God, that you know, you look at the newborn, you look at the child, you look at how many times that child comes back tapped into love and enthusiasm, and it's just awesome. And the thing that knocks most out of it is a message from the power person about you're broken. And with that brokenness comes rejection. And then a whole series, you you know, you might want to just review the, the chart again on the physiological effects of emotional suppression. And literally those thought disorders instilled in the mind Locked into physiology are what literally destroy the body, cause all disease, suffering, and death. You know, I, I started a book actually twenty twenty some years ago, and it sat on the shelf since then. But the first two chapters of it are available under the uh, video and audio collection on the website. It's called The End of Suffering. And while the written work isn't there, way back 20-some years ago, a minister at uh, Unity in Sarasota, Florida, and I did a weekend workshop where we read those two chapters. The book is written in the first person by Yeshua speaking to a character, much like Why Is This Happening to Me Again is written by me speaking to a character. So in the book, I'm the character and Yeshua is correcting me. It's called The End of Suffering. You might just go and give those two chapters a listen. Really spend some time with those two chapters. Because that's what it's really all about, is putting an end to literally the mind energy that's based in something other than love. And its, its gravitational field of trauma is so powerful because it's been going on for so many generations. Again, they even have that metaphorical story in the scriptures about this whole band of people who got lost in this 35-square-mile desert for 40 years. And to get out of that desert, to get out of this state, what had to happen? The old generation had to die off. Not everybody in old physical bodies, but the root of the word generation is genari, which means cause. All of the causes held in the mind based in hostility or fear, messages from the power person had to be removed. And they're generational. They've been going on for a long, long, long time. And they're... Again, the, the mass, when you think of it in terms of uh, atomic physics, the mass of the thought disorders based in that has such a gravitational pull that most people never are able to even step back from it. That's why we so often talk about you know, developing the ability to become the thinker apart from the thought, the feeler apart from the feelings, the actor apart from the actions, just to step back and observe what your mind is doing to you. and then apply forgiveness to remove it. Get out of the desert. Head to the promised land, conscious co-creation. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I'm any other thoughts for you? We're getting down to the wire.
0: No, thank you. I'm on, I'm in the car going to a doctor's appointment, so I'm a little distracted. Thank you so much
6: for feeling all this. All right. Well, we'll hold the space, and you have a blessed one, Doug. Appreciate you. Everybody, have the best year yet of your eternal life. Thanks for being with us. Blessings. Bye-bye.